0: The views and opinions expressed during this program are not necessarily those of Overseas Radio Network, the expat broadcasting group, the staff, management, or broadcast partners. All information provided is for educational purposes only. Before taking action, consult a licensed professional.
1: Welcome to Know Before You Go sharing anecdotal tales and interviews with featured guests recorded live to educate and entertain you concerning your options for global health care. Here's America's most unbiased voice for baby boomers, Eileen Little, founder of travelingforhealth.com.
2: Welcome to Know Before You Go on the Overseas Radio Network. I am your show host, Eileen Little. CEO of Traveling for Health and Retirement. That's travelingforhealthwiththenumber4.com. We invite you to join our featured guest each week in discussions about medical travel or the medical health and lifestyle consequences of living abroad. Now, before I introduce my guest today, let me give you the toll-free number in the U.S. and Canada to call into the show in case you have a question for the guest or for me. And that number is one eight 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 seven four one seven four seven two. 741 7472 Again, 1-888-741-7472. Now to learn about upcoming shows and sign up to participate in recording sessions, just log in to www.travelingforhealth.com. Click on the radio show tab on the top menu bar. So this week, I am honored to introduce you to Kristen Eklund. She's a surgical nurse practitioner, and she, we're going to be talking today about the promise of medical travel, and it's going to be based on her observations as an investigative reporter witnessing surgery in the operating rooms of overseas hospitals in several countries. Welcome, Kristen. I'm so glad you're here today.
3: Well, thank you very much for having me.
2: Now, Kristen's also going to be on the show. I believe we've got her scheduled for January 29th. I think that, no, excuse me. December 18th is the next one. And that's the one that might be iffy, right? Kristen, we might, uh, that's the one in December you weren't sure about. But also on, uh, the January 29th and the March 26th shows. And at that time, she's going to be inviting guest, uh, people that she's worked with overseas, probably physicians, I'm assuming. Uh, Kristen, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So they'll be joining us in in these conversations. So first of all, in this first segment, I'd like to introduce you to to who Kristen is and a little bit a slice of her life. Now she's an author and she's a medical writer. So uh, what? Uh, let's let's find out first of all. I was talking during the break. Found out that you, as a uh, young child, you grew up in Virginia and in California. Is that right? That is. Okay. All right. So what inspired you to become a nurse practitioner?
3: Um, well, I started as a nurse, and as a nurse I met wonderful patients every day, and I kept thinking, what more can I be doing? And that led me to go back to school.
2: And when was that? When did you graduate from uh, your uh, schooling?
3: Um, I went back for my master's degree in 2003, and I graduated in 2005.
2: All right. And Do you have any honors, or have you done any special research? I believe you probably have.
3: Um, I've done a lot of special research. I'm doing a research project right now, as a matter of fact, on surgical outcomes at um, high altitude.
2: Oh, now is I know you're in Bogota right now, right? I am, I, and that's high altitude. It is. It's eight thousand feet. So that's that's gonna uh, also is that why you're there? I should ask you that. Is it that research? <laughs>
3: that is why I'm there. I'm okay, studying with a thoracic surgeon here, and we're looking at different outcomes in highly populated areas. Um, in the United States, most Elevation, high-altitude areas don't have a lot of people, but it's different in Latin America. There's over 42 million people living at altitude.
2: How does that affect the outcome, the population density?
3: Well, you see a lot different diseases. So um, there's more people, there's more pollution, Okay. Um, there's more smoking, there's more chronic disease conditions that come from living close together with other people in cities.
2: So therefore there's more procedures and more outcomes to, to uh, study.
3: Exactly. Okay,
2: got it. That means that the physicians there have a lot of practice.
3: They do have a lot of practice. They just don't publish. So I'd like to change that.
2: Okay, well, absolutely. I know that it is a high altitude is a consideration for medical tourists uh, if they're thinking of uh, having cardiac surgery and and flying from um, uh, you know elevation makes a big difference on whether or not that uh, it should be a good destination for them. Is that right?
3: It does, but the problem is is there's very, very little research published on it. Now, there are successful heart surgery programs here and in La Paz, Bolivia, which is actually higher, but we don't have a lot of data published on it, so that's kind of what I'd like to change. Okay. I want to know what are those outcomes, what changes do we need to make, who is a poor candidate to come here, who is a good candidate to come here.
2: All right. Well, share with us what inspires you most about the way you spend the hours of your day.
3: Um. People inspire me. I don't like to say patients because I think that puts a label on people. We tend to use that word a lot in medicine, but it's people because a patient is a person. And everyone we meet, you know, everyone has health issues. Everyone knows someone with health issues. The conversation naturally turns to that. And people have questions. And I keep thinking, well, if you have a question, let me find the answer.
2: Okay, so this is your life's work. You've decided that. Not only that, you just told me when we were talking earlier that yeah, part of your life's worth is uh, work is to not take permanent jobs but to keep going on uh, uh, these sojourns, these research sojourns. Is that how you would identify that, and am I correct in what I just said?
3: You are correct. I think anytime you have a research question that's a burning thing inside of you that you need to know, you have to follow that. I can't sit by and wonder, well, what is this? I have to look in the research. If it's not in the research, then I need to go out and find for myself.
2: You've traveled a lot. How how <laughs> let's see, over the last say three years, how many places have you been to and, and and when you go you generally stay a while. Is that right?
3: Um I try to, but the last month has been a little <laughs> hectic. <laughs> so the last month I've been to Bolivia, uh Chile several cities here in colombia um, and i'm planning to do a little more travel as well so it's been interesting
2: <laughs> well now why have you been doing that are you is that chasing your research or uh you know are you just taking a look at the lay of the land while you're there or what
3: it is chasing research i can't expect these people their leaders in the field to know about me or to come to me but i do find that when i contact them and say you know i've been reading your paper i've been reading your research and i really want to talk to you They usually say yes, so that entails going down, sitting down, having coffee with them, talking to them, and asking these questions that are sitting in my mind.
2: Well, You know, I think that is so valuable, and what we're going to get for our audience here is when you feature people on these next shows, I'm sure you're going to be basically picking out the very best people for us to hear from, especially for the age bracket that our audience is, which is baby boomers in general. So before we uh, take a break and go to the next segment there, I know you as a medical writer, I mean, that's how we first met. I mean, you contacted me. I t- took a look at your blogs, and I was so impressed. And I'd like Thank other you. people to know your blog address. You've got a couple of them.
3: Sure. Um, one of them is org.
2: Okay, you're listening to Know Before You Go on Overseas Radio Network. We'll be right back after this short break.
0: Your expatriation destination. This is OverseasRadio.com. You're tuned in to OverseasRadio.com the station to help you reach your dream destination.
2: Welcome back to Know Before You Go on Overseas Radio Network with Kristen Ecklund, the surgical nurse practitioner and author. And we're going to be talking in this segment about... Uh, Whatever prompted you to write your
3: first book? Um, I guess you'd have to say sheer nosiness. I was on vacation with my husband in Greece, and we were walking, taking a stroll, looking at the beach, and we walked past the hospital, and I realized that I'm not like everyone else because my first thought is, oh, I wonder if they have a PET scan. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what their OR looks like. Oh, right. I wonder if they would let me in. And that's kind of where it started.
2: That's like a busman's holiday holiday, right where you, you <laughs> can't much. yeah, you can't help but notice what you're a professional in, so uh, let's see t- let's talk about each book. you've got three out, do you not, or is it I do okay. Uh, give us the title of each, where to buy it, and a little summary about what's in each. So uh, sure. do you want to start with the, what do you want to do? start with the book you wrote first or the most sure. recent? Okay
3: um, The first book <clears> I wrote <throat> is called Cartagena, A Hidden Gem Guide to Surgical Tourism." Um, All of my books are titled under the hidden gem subtitle um, because I consider these places to be hidden gems. And that was after my experience in Greece. And I said, you know, I took out a map and I started looking at places because patients had asked me. They had asked me about going to Thailand. They had asked me about, you know, should I go get my hip replaced here? And I wanted to have answers. So I said, what's practical? What's reasonable? And so I decided to go to Cartagena and just start talking to people. That book's probably smaller than the others because Cartagena is a smaller city than the others.
2: Why did you choose Cartagena? Let
3: me ask you that. Um, because it was on, it's within two and a half hours of Miami. It's not expensive to fly there. You can fly there on JetBlue any day of the week. It's about $250. Um, the weather is nice and it has a beach. So I thought, well, what would I look for if I didn't know? So. I try to look at places that other people would want to look at.
2: Okay. And did you write that with somebody?
3: I did. Um, all of the pharmacy content is done by a friend of mine who's a clinical pharmacist in North Carolina. His name is Albert Klein. He's worked with me for two of the books.
2: Okay. All right. And what about your next book then?
3: So my next book was a much bigger endeavor. Um, I wrote about Bogota. And I spent six months down here. I think I interviewed about 150 surgeons because the more surgeons you talk to, the more you realize there's so much here. This is a much bigger city. It has about 10 million people. It is the capital of this country. There is a huge amount of technological innovation, a lot of advanced procedures, um, just a lot of really amazing things going on here. And it's very, very convenient for people from the United States.
2: What type of procedures would you recommend people go to uh uh Bogota for? I mean they probably do all types of procedures, but is are there are there some that kind of stick out in your mind that people travel to Bogota for?
3: Orthopedic surgery. Really? Um, most of the people who write the orthopedic surgery textbooks actually live in practice here in Bogota. Um, neurosurgery. Bogota is actually the home of modern neurosurgery, has over 550 neurosurgeons here in Colombia and over 150 in Bogota alone. They have some amazing technology for neuronavigation and advanced specialty treatment in neurosurgery, for epilepsy, for Parkinson's, for other conditions like that. Um, Cardiac surgery is very good. Thoracic surgery I've covered extensively because of my own interest, which is very, very good. They have robotic thoracic surgery here. They're doing a lot of single-port thoracic surgery.
2: Explain what those two things are.
3: So robotic surgery, is um, we use a technique that's actually about 20 years old called VATS, which means we make four small incisions instead of a large thoracotomy. A thoracotomy incision is very painful, and it's about 10 inches long. But instead, they make four one-inch incisions, but they use the robot so they can use smaller tools, and they can manipulate with fine detail. Um, That's the surgeon I'm actually studying with. I came to study with him because he has the robot. Okay. Now, single incision is they make one, about two centimeters to three centimeter incision, and they actually insert all of their instruments through that one incision. They can do all kinds of lung surgery. They can do all kinds of thoracic surgery. They remove mediastinal tumors. They can remove a lobe of the lung. And because it's a smaller incision, people are in the hospital for just one or two days. Um, People have much less pain and much less complications.
2: I wrote an article uh, on a, um, a procedure and then also on a patient who was a doctor himself in Miami. And he flew, it was either to Cartagena or it was to Bogota, one of those two places. But uh, he was a surgeon. That patient was a surgeon. And uh, he was great to interview because, you know, you get the people to express themselves. And he basically said, hey, you know, I didn't want to be opened up like a chicken and uh therefore he chose that type of surgery instead. So uh, was that the robotic surgery, do you think?
3: Probably. Um, I know here we recently had a patient who had a very large mediastinal tumor. I can't tell you too much about them because this is their privacy, but normally we do a sternotomy, which is where we saw through the breastbone. Mm-hmm. Well, that incision alone causes six weeks of disability and discomfort. Yeah. But by using the robot, she had four small incisions, Patient went home on day two, um, had no problems, saw him recently back in the clinic, within a week of their surgery, doing fine and back to normal life.
2: Now, are any of those surgeries uh, not being done in the U.S., maybe perhaps not FDA approved yet, or perhaps limited only to high-risk or, or terminally ill patients?
3: Well, they're doing robotic surgery in the U.S. The problem is, is the robot is very expensive. It's a $2 million robot. So a lot of times insurance won't cover it. Or a lot of times the hospitals can't afford them. They are doing it in the States. Um, The single port surgery people are doing less of just because less people are willing to learn the technique. Really? Um, One of the surgeons I talked to, he's the one who actually invented the technique. I went to Chile just to meet him. He calls it um, a technique for the Xbox generation. Because if you've grown up with computers and Xbox and PlayStation, you're very comfortable with this type of technology. But if you're a little bit older, you're a little less so
2: that's really fascinating. Definitely. The uh <clears throat> okay, now on this next segment, we're going to talk about uh the uh, patient experience of boomers in the pre-Medicare and Medicare ages as a result of all the changes that are now going into effect in the US healthcare system. Uh I did want to ask you something else about Bogota and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it was in my mind here. It'll it'll come to me, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> Is there any other story that you would like to tell about the uh, type of, oh, uh, the type of surgery that you're most impressed with in, uh, in Bogota? Well,
3: you know, I talked before about HIPPIC, and I still think that HIPPIC is one of the biggest strengths that Bogota has. That's surgery for advanced abdominal cancers, where they actually infuse heated chemotherapy during surgery. And what's happening now is they're opening a lot of programs in the United States. Uh, Case Western is opening a program. They've opened a program in Detroit. But the problem is, is they're only taking 10 or 15 patients. And there's so many more people out there that need this treatment. This really is the last hope for a lot of people. And the program here in Bogota is well established. They've been doing it for several years. They've done a lot more than anyone else. And it People can get into the program, and I think this is so important for someone who has an advanced cancer of the appendix or in the abdomen to at least have this option and to be able to explore it.
2: Uh, yes, and I think the it, getting information is important. I know that um, uh, there, from what you've just said, it says it, it means that some of these procedures are now being opened up in the U.S., but with the limited patients. That means that the doctors themselves aren't going to have the experience that they already have in an established program in Bogota.
3: No, um, I was planning to interview a doctor in at Duke who does this procedure. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the interview fell through. There's a lot of paperwork when I interview American surgeons. And at the time, he was doing like his 10th surgery. This is a year and a half ago. Right. Where the one here in Bogota had already done 55, I think.
2: Okay, and that is I'm such an important figure for people to, to understand when they're choosing to have their, uh, their surgery done. So we will be back. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Know Before You Go on Overseas Radio Network, and we'll be right back after this short break.
0: your bags and explore the world with us you're listening to the overseas radio
4: network
1: at global wealth protection we work with clients that place a high priority on privacy liberty wealth creation as well as wealth preservation our clients are real estate investors, internet entrepreneurs, international traders, stock and option traders, and business owners from around the globe. Many of them are still in the planning stages of internationalizing their life, while others have already taken the leap and created their own global escape hatch. They all have one thing in common. They want to create a veil of privacy around their assets and internationalize their life. Our philosophy at Global Wealth Protection is that through pure capitalism, the world prospers. Investors and entrepreneurs like you are the ones that make the world go round. It's our job to make sure that your productive capital remains right where it belongs with you, the wealth creator. For more information, visit us online, globalwealthprotection.com. We
5: want to see a world where cancer is scarce. That's why we help people reduce their risk of getting it in the first place. We help them plan healthy diets, get regular exercise, and learn which tests to take. The less cancer there is, the more birthdays we celebrate. We're the American Cancer Society, the official sponsor of birthdays. Visit us at morebirthdays.com. Together, we'll stay well, get well, find cures, and fight back. This entire piece of music is played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council.
6: From Feature Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. The scandal surrounding former CIA chief David Petraeus' affair has sucked in another top military official, the U.S. commander in Afghanistan, General John Allen. He's under investigation for inappropriate emails with Jill Kelly, the first woman who called in the FBI when she started receiving threatening messages from Petraeus' mistress. From Washington, Nina Maria Potts.
2: In a scandal that has gripped Washington, not one but two of America's top intelligence and defense leaders are now embroiled in a rapidly evolving controversy. America's top commander in Afghanistan, John Allen, is under investigation over his inappropriate communications with Jill Kelly. Allegedly, some 20,000 emails were exchanged between them. Jill Kelly, who lives in Tampa in Florida, is an unpaid social liaison officer for the military, and she was the woman who first notified the FBI that she was receiving threatening emails from Paula Broadwell, whose affair with former CIA chief David Petraeus led to his resignation on Friday.
6: A leaked draft of a highly critical internal UN report says the UN failed in its mandate to protect civilians in the last months of Sri Lanka's civil war. The government and separatist Tamil rebels are accused of war crimes in the conflict, which ended in May 2009. The report concludes that Sri Lanka events marked a grave failure of the UN. The man once described as Osama bin Laden's right-hand man in Europe has been freed from a British jail after judges upheld his appeal against extradition to Jordan to face terror charges. 51-year-old radical cleric Abu Qatada's fought extradition for seven years, but the British government has vowed to appeal. From London, Catherine Drew.
2: On Monday, a special immigration appeals court said that evidence obtained by torture could be used against Abu Qatada if he was sent back to Jordan to face terrorism charges. It ruled he must be released in Britain and kept under curfew. This has caused outrage in the country and the government has vowed to challenge the decision, insisting it has gone to great lengths to secure assurances from Jordan that the radical preacher will receive a fair trial. The Jordanian of Palestinian origin was convicted in absentia in Jordan in 1998, for involvement in terror attacks. Videos of his sermons were found in the Hamburg flat used by some of the hijackers involved in the September eleventh, two 2001 attacks, while he has also defended killing Jews and carrying out attacks on Americans. Government lawyers have described
7: him as an enormous risk to national security. Catherine Drew, London.
6: The Greek governments sold 4.06 billion euros worth of treasury bills. Short-term bonds sold at an interest rate of 3.95% for one-month bills. The money is needed to cover 5 billion euros of old treasury bills. Greece has to raise the money in this way because it hasn't yet received the next tranche of its bailout loans. From our bureaus worldwide, this is FSN.
0: From the Swiss Alps
6: to the sunny shores of Aruba, this is
0: the Overseas Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to Know Before You Go on the Overseas Radio Network. And the guest is Kristen Eklund. And in this segment, we're going to talk about forecasting what the patient experience of baby boomers are is going to be in the pre-Medicare and Medicare ages as a result of the uh, Affordable Health Care Act. Because we're all going into this now, and uh, there's there's a lot of changes in the industry in insurance companies and in hospitals as people make these changes, uh, and it's all going to affect the individual patient. So, uh, Kristen, you sent me a lot of articles earlier about uh, there's apparently a rash of information out there now. People are just really making a lot of changes. Big companies, uh, Blue Cross, Walmart is one of the companies that you talked about. Let's talk about those articles and what you think that this bodes for baby boomers.
3: Well, I think um, the companies are becoming smarter with their money, and they started to embrace domestic medical tourism. So domestic medical tourism says, you know, the hospital down the street from you, doesn't do a high volume of knee replacement, but this hospital in Florida does. So we are going to work a contract with this hospital in Florida, and this is where everyone who works for our company is going to go for their knee replacements. You know, we talked during the break that this is, for Walmart alone, is going to cover 1.2 million employees that will now be sent to different destinations within the United States for um, medical tourism procedures. This also opened. Sorry, go on.
2: You mentioned high volume, and I think that's an important part. So it's not that they are, uh, what they're doing is they're having to recognize, and now they're marketing around it, that your local hospital or surgeon may not do enough procedures to or have the technology as uh, as a location might provide that's not in your hometown. So if they're going to send you places that does the most procedures and has the best technology, that's a good thing for employees.
3: I think so. I think it also opens the door for international medical tourism for the exact same reasons. You know, some things, the United States absolutely excels. If you need a transplant of any organ, you should have it in the United States. For multiple reasons, but mainly for volume reasons. We oh. are the best at that. But there are other places where they are better at some things. They have more volume. They have more experience. Or they have better technology because that's their focus.
2: Well, let's give you some examples of those places. Where are the uh, uh, transplant organs being done, for instance, in the U.S.?
3: Uh, Duke University is Duke. number two right now for like lung transplant. Okay. So to give people an idea of volume, you know, when we talk about volume, that can mean a lot of things. Is that 10,000 or is that 1,000? Well, when we talk about lung transplant, it's much less than that. There's only about 2,000 lung transplants done worldwide, but about wow. 1,600 of those are done in the U.S.,
2: Oh, that's that's a huge I mean, why would you choose to go someplace? I mean, if if that's how many procedures are done annually, you definitely would want to be in the hands of the doctor that does those surgeries.
3: Exactly. So then when we start looking at local numbers, Dukes, I think they were said they were set to hit about a hundred and sixty lung transplants this year. That's a huge number. It doesn't sound that big. But, you know, I interviewed a Chilean surgeon, and they do five lung transplants a year, and that's for the whole country. Okay. All right. So if you want someone to be good at something, if you want them to be able to recognize, hey, this person is not doing well after this surgery, they need to have seen it before, and they need to have all the equipment, and, you know, this equipment costs money. When we're talking about transplants, when we're talking about heart surgery, this is a very expensive service line as opposed to other types of surgery. You know, you have extra personnel you need. There's extra equipment you need. And, you know, just like we talk about $2 million robots, you know, we have to talk about bypass. We have to talk about having extra personnel just to run this machinery.
2: That's right. You do. The You know, what this brings into my mind is, the the much allotted personal relationship with your doctor and what i have found has been happening in the last few years and it's bound to happen more now that uh, uh people are being are traveling for health is that <clears throat> once you are in the hands of a specialist your your so-called personal doctor has nothing to do with your treatment plan
3: well hopefully that's not the case I know that when I practice in the United States, I like to keep people in the loop, so to speak. So I will call people and say, you know, your patient who had X procedure, you know, they're now in the hospital. They've had a heart attack or they need heart surgery. They need this. I'm sending you what I have. Can you send me your records? And, you know, before they go home, I call them. I say their surgery went well. This is what they had. These are the medications I've changed. This is why. And if you need to change them back in the future, you can or I pr- for you didn't for this reason, because we do need to do that. That is the long-term provider. They do have the established relationship. All of us surgical specialists, we step in for a moment, but it's just for a moment. And so we need to be very aware and very cognitive of these long-term relationships.
2: Well, I know one of the reasons why uh, many doctors will... Um not talk about sending their patients anywhere else, or they refuse to do any kind of follow-up when they get back, is that they've had to rely upon the the patient's word as far as what medications they were given, and uh, so they have no history that they can trust. I mean, that's giving them the benefit of the doubt, the physician, and not just that they're uh, being unwilling to help their patient. Um, uh, the way the patients sure. look at it is that they are being un- un- cooperative. But I can understand where they need those medical records. So uh, that is where a good uh, medical uh, tourism facilitator is so valuable because that uh, facilitator, I mean, one of the marks of them is have they communicated with your local doctor and attempted to rope them into the treatment plan.
3: Well, and the other thing is, you know, patients need to know to ask. Most Surgeons are happy to send their surgical reports, pathology reports, labs, everything with the patient when they go home. And I know that here in Bogota, they'll put the information in English. So they can have that, but the patient should remember to ask. You know, they should remember to offer, but you know, we should remember to ask and we should remember to bring it with us to our appointments. You know, we need to have good comm- communication all around. Sometimes we forget to ask things. Sometimes we forget to tell things.
2: Okay, let's go back and talk about uh, some of the operations that are done best elsewhere as far as a vol- high volume. Because you mentioned the organ transplants are best done in the U.S., and you gave us the name of the hospital. Can we talk about some of the other procedures that are good sure. examples of why a person should go overseas?
3: Um, well, you know, a lot of my research is in lung surgery, so I can tell you best about that. So the single-port surgery I was telling you about there's about five to ten surgeons in the world that do this procedure. None of them are really in the U.S. Um, all of them are somewhere else. The man who invented the procedure is actually in Spain. Um, he's fascinating, but he's done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. When he's not doing the surgery, he's traveling to other hospitals within the U.S. and around the world to actually teach the procedure to other people.
2: Well, when you're talking about a single port procedure, uh, in layman's term. If, uh, terms. if a patient is sure. listening to this, what's their condition that will relate to that uh, procedure?
3: Sure. And, you know, I have videos of the surgeries on the website. They're not particularly gory, but they are graphic in that they show exactly what I'm talking about. So if you want to know how big this incision is, go to my website. You can take a good look at it. Um, I like to be transparent, and I like people to know exactly what we're talking about. So if you have lung cancer and we need to take out a lobe of your lung, That's the type of thing we're talking about. Okay. Any kind of lung surgery, any type of mass in the chest. So they can make this small incision. It's about 2 centimeters, sometimes as much as 4 centimeters. And this replaces the much larger 10-inch incision that people get sometimes. And he inserts all his tools through the small incision. He actually has better visibility doing this way than the other procedure where they make the 3 or 4 holes. But you want someone who does this all the time. So I've interviewed several surgeons who do it quite frequently. Um, I recently interviewed a wonderful surgeon in Cali, Colombia, who does this. I think he'd be surprised if he went back to the old way. It's just routine for him. Right. And, and that's just something you're not going to find in the U.S. because not as many people have adopted it. The rate of using what's called minimally invasive surgery for thoracic procedures in the U.S. is only 28% of all procedures.
2: Okay, now, so- I don't yeah that means that the patients have to be educated enough to discuss this with whoever wh- whoever their general practitioner sends them to as a specialist, then they need to discuss this with their general practitioner but also the specialist and if they get the response that the the doctors are not up to speed, which are according to what you're saying, they may not be uh, then they need to look where
3: well um there's a lot of great websites um you can go to c t s net which is the Cardiothoracic Surgery Network. It's more for professionals. It's not written very well for lay people, which is the reason I started my website. Sure. It's to kind of help people, you know, to translate it into English, so to speak.
2: Okay. We are going to take a short break now. You are listening to Know Before You Go on Overseas Radio Network, and we'll be right back after this short break.
0: Pack your bags and explore the world with us. You're listening to the Overseas Radio Network.
5: Are you a successful executive who wants to advance your international career? At Zest and Zen Global Executive Coaching, we understand your needs and use simple coaching strategies to bring you to the next level. With Zest and Zen Executive Coaching, you multiply your chances of having a true international career and thrive globally. We understand the challenges leaders face when leading and living abroad. Zest and Zen Executive Coaching helps you assess your current situation and helps you build effective strategies to become a better and more influential leader. In today's highly complex and fast-paced global economy, great leaders excel at influential. Influencing others and dealing with new challenges every day. Zest and Zen Executive Coaching gives you the tools that make you thrive in a global world. What makes you successful locally and today is not enough for becoming a true global leader of the future. Visit ZestinZen.com, Z-E-S-T-N-Z-EN.com to find out how we can help you reach your goals. Zest and Zen Executive Coaching helps you understand cultural differences that impact business globally. Zest and Zen Executive Coaching, inspiring global minds to create their futures. Visit ZestandZen.com, Z-E-S-T-N-Z-E-N dot com. Have you ever dreamed of working abroad? Are you
7: an expat looking for a job? Then you need to visit expatcareers.com, the premier worldwide, all industry expatriate job site. We are dedicated to providing the best employment opportunities for professionals and experienced expatriates, or for those simply wishing to relocate within their home country. We provide job seekers with access to vacancies and offer recruiters a unique opportunity to advertise these vacancies to the best, most forward-looking individuals within their industry. We are not a recruitment or employment agency. We do, however, showcase the best jobs across the globe on a central, user-friendly careers website. At expatcareers.com, we are dedicated to providing the best employment opportunities for professional and experienced expatriates or for those simply wishing to relocate within their home country or overseas. The next time you are looking for a change of pace, don't just look for a job, look for a career. expatcareers.com. That's www.expatcareers.com.
4: You've decided that you want to move overseas for that quality of life experience you've always dreamed of. But you don't want to give up the best of back home. We agree. Things like high-speed internet, safe neighborhoods where you can stroll along a shaded sidewalk, a place where you know your neighbors and you have friends close by. These are important. Grand Pacifica Beach and Golf Resort gives you the best comforts of back home paired with the exceptional lifestyle only available south of the border. Imagine strolling along over three miles of secluded beach, playing around to golf along the ocean, surfing a world-class break all to Enjoying a fine meal on your balcony and toasting to another spectacular sunset. All this and more can be yours only an hour from Managua. Complete home and lot packages start under $100,000, and a nice home on the golf course is yours for the mid-twos. Come visit for a weekend and enjoy our Oceanside Golf Course. Ride horseback on the beach, meet your future neighbors, and make some new friends. Grand Pacifica may be a place you'd like to call home. For more information, email mike at mikesgringolife.com. That's mike at mikesgringolife.com.
0: Your expatriation destination. This is overseasradio.com.
2: Welcome back to the final segment today of Know Before You Go on the Overseas Radio Network. And we are featuring, of course, Kristen Eklund, the nurse track practitioner and researcher and medical writer and what we're going to do this last segment here is we're going to talk about what advice that Kristen would give a person in the baby boomer age range who wishes to take more control of their health care. We know what those risks generally are. They are uh, orthopedics, they're diabetes, uh, they're bariatric uh, surgeries. And so, Kristen, why don't we just start out talking about one of, uh, uh, well, first of all, let's start with the first question. What advice would you give a person in the in that age range who wishes to take more control of their own health?
3: Uh, keep moving. The worst thing we can do is become sedentary for people of any age, but especially as we get older. Um, Michelle Obama has that Let's Move program. And no matter where you feel about politics, that is a wonderful program just to encourage people to get out and get moving.
2: Well, you know, I, I notice it all the time uh, when, uh, uh, as I told you, I've got the flu right now. So that's kept me in bed for three days. And I know now that my next trip to the gym is going to have to be something like, well, I'll start out with swimming. Uh, and then the next day I can do something a little more strenuous, but I can't hop right back into Zuma or I'll hurt myself.
3: Well, and swimming is excellent because as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people have joint problems and swimming is an excellent aerobic exercise that does not put stress in the joints. So if you have a bad knee, you can swim. Maybe you can't walk, but you can swim. The other thing is we need to take care of our primary health. If your blood pressure isn't controlled or your glucose isn't controlled, everything else is a moot point. So we need to make sure that we have Good communication with your providers. You need to be aggressive in saying, you know what, my blood pressure is not where it should be. And you need to know what numbers it should be. You know, you need to know what normal is. Normal is 110 over 70. You need to know what your cholesterol numbers are and where they should be. Once you get those primary health issues taken care of, then we can start looking at other issues like losing weight if we're overweight, um, controlling diabetes surgically to prevent other outcomes.
2: So now that's where your personal or primary uh general practitioner does become an important uh, connection for you because those are the people that you're going in on a on a well not a regular basis but at least once a year for a checkup and then anytime you have uh you have some symptoms that you want to look at they're always checking your uh, uh well they're checking I don't know if they're checking your blood pressure but you can ask them to do that.
3: You sure can. And you know providers like that We want that relationship with patients. If you don't have a provider that you feel that way, find one. It needs to be a two-way relationship, you know, where it's a back and forth. My blood pressure is doing this, and the person offers a response, well, let's try this. And we need to remember it is a trial and error process because everyone is different. There's no one medication that works for everyone. So we're not going to get it right the first time, and it's going to be an evolving process. And because it's an evolving process, we need to be able to communicate with each other.
2: Okay, well, let's talk about some of those specific, uh, typical medical needs of that age group. Diabetes, you
3: mentioned that. Diabetes is critical, and some of the things we need to look at is the help that we offer our patients. You know, we do a lot of that diet and exercise routine, but it's failing our patients. All my patients should diet, eat a healthy diet, and all my patients should exercise, but that's not going to be enough. And if I only offer that advice, I have done a huge disservice to my patients. I have set them up for terrible, terrible life-threatening complications. So we need to add the medications at an appropriate time, which is at the beginning of the disease, not when the glucose is 400. Um, We need to start looking at other types of interventions like surgery. We can surgically cure diabetes with bariatric surgery if we do it early enough in the process. And we need to stop kind of withholding this information from our patients. I think a lot of times we don't tell them these treatments exist because there's a bias among healthcare providers. We tend to look at bariatric surgery in a very negative way and that needs to change. I'm here to help people. If bariatric surgery helps them, then that's what I need to offer. We don't need to be judgmental and kind of close-minded about these things. There's very good evidence that shows that we need to be sending people for bariatric surgery referrals much, much earlier than we currently are doing.
2: So what are the 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 markers that a person will overweight would be one of them?
3: Right? Uh, yes, a, your BMI. Okay, That's your body mass index. There's several really good scales. I'll email you a link to put on your website where people can check their BMI. Okay. Um, we used to require the BMI to be 50 to have surgery. We now know that it, Anything over 40 meets surgical criteria, they're actually going to roll that back to 35. The International Diabetes Foundation has actually recommended that we start treating this earlier. Let's not wait until people get uh, ischemic limb. Let's not wait till they have a heart attack. Let's not wait until they have liver failure, which is the huge, untalked-about problem with bariatric patients.
2: Well, now, where uh, the other uh, part of this is, when patients are looking at that, uh, if they're looking into bariatric surgery, then they're also looking at the cost involved, which depends upon you know their insurance coverage and all that. So for, there's the cost involved where they could obviously travel and uh, decrease the cost. And but where are the best places uh, to go, including the U.S. Which where are the best places for the bar- bariatric uh, surgery according to your resources?
3: Well, I have a huge bias in that a lot of times people are not offered the right procedure. In the U.S., they offer a lot of lap band, which is actually contraindicatory to the research. And the Bariatric Surgery Society actually came out with a statement this year saying that we should not be doing this procedure. They offer it in the U.S. a lot because insurance will pay for it and it's considered fast and easy. And will I like used to,
2: will you send me that, uh, that source of where they said? Send- Certainly. Yeah. Cause that's, cause if it's recent, that's what people want—is recent information. Okay. It's maybe
3: three months old. I have it on one of my websites. I talk about uh, research in medicine, and I try to translate it for people. Okay. Um,
2: yeah, that one but, particularly, I would like for people to know, because they yes, can so discuss ca- that with their with their uh, uh, with their physicians.
3: Exactly. So I caution people against what I call the easy button mentality. If it sounds too easy and you don't have to change your lifestyle, then it's not going to be effective. People need to have the bigger procedure, the one where we permanently alter your stomach um, capacity. This is what causes the changes in ghrelin. Ghrelin is the chemical that makes us hungry. You know, um, This is what causes the changes in blood glucose. When we do a full gastric bypass surgery, people with early diabetes, their diabetes regresses within 48 hours and their blood sugar normalizes.
2: Okay, when and that we- doesn't happen with a lap band?
3: No, it doesn't. And lap band is not particularly effective. It has a lot, a higher rate of complications, but people don't lose weight with this procedure. They have a higher rate of infection and they don't get any of the health benefits. You know, we're talking about losing weight and cosmetic for one thing, but when we're talking about the health benefits of the surgery, bariatric surgery is a life saving and life preserving surgery. Then we need to start looking at the bigger procedures. Because that's what we're really after. That's what I'm after for my patient. I'd like everyone to be slim and happy with themselves, but more importantly, I want them healthy.
2: Exactly. So what are the other procedures? I mean, are there 12 of them or only two others or, or?
3: There's three. Um, there are different variations of ways of bypassing the stomach. Depends what we connect it to, how extensive it is. The most famous and most effective is gastric bypass or the Roux-en-Y gastric bypass. And this is where we actually reduce the size of the stomach to about a shot glass. There's a lesser procedure called a sleeve gastrectomy. Research shows that's actually quite effective too. I was a little dubious myself, so I went and poured through the research. But that's shown to be quite effective. The stomach's still not a massive size, so people need to go undergo a lot of training to kind of get used to this. You know, when you look at your dinner plate, we kind of know how much we eat. You know that saying eyes bigger than your stomach sort of thing right and all of this has to be retrained because it is a lifestyle change and it's a lifelong change, but it's very effective in patients or people so
2: where are some of the best places to have those surgeries done uh, overseas
3: um, well actually there's a really great group here in Bogota. I met them because they also operate in Cartagena um, one of them's called Dr.. Holguin Ruida, he trained in the United States. He um, was actually a trauma surgeon over at Shock Trauma in Baltimore. Uh, he's now a bariatric surgeon. He has done hundreds of bariatric surgeries. He's done them on several famous people here in Latin America. Um, I'm fascinated to watch them because the entire procedure takes 51 minutes.
2: Wow. Can wow. you can spell out his name for me.
3: Um, Dr. Francisco Mm -hmm. As in San Francisco, Holguin, and it's H-O-L-G-U-I-N. Okay. Okay. And he works with, I think, five other bariatric (laughs) surgeons. And I've watched most of them operate, and it is fascinating to see how this huge lifestyle change occurs in 50 minutes. Now, they have a whole program, and patients need to look for bariatric surgery programs, not just a surgeon. They need to meet with nutritionists. They need to meet with exercise counselors because if you're very large, Exercise is not as easy for you as it is for somewhere else. Or -hmm. if you're older and you have other problems, like joint problems, um, you need to meet with a psychiatrist because the way people treat food is very much a cultural and psychological issue. And so you need to reframe that for people. Um, So it's usually a year-long process after the surgery of checking in with these doctors, checking in with their clinics, usually by Internet or Skype.
2: Yeah, so that, that's I I love that about uh, the doctors that I've interviewed uh, overseas. They're they're readily available on
3: Skype. They really are. That makes a big difference.
2: Okay. Well, uh Kristen, you've been very helpful today. I can hardly wait for the next uh, three programs that you're going to be on and and the, you will let us know who the featured guests are and we will let the sure. membership know. We'll have show notes so that everybody knows. So I want to thank you for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me. It's been delightful.
2: Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been great. I'm, I'm so glad that we met each other. So, uh, join us every week at noon Eastern Standard Time. Whether you want to live abroad or travel overseas for medical treatments, traveling for health and retirement can help you. We're here to give you the resources that you need for your life. So for a fresh and visual, uh, look of popular destination locations, Rated for quality of healthcare, visit our Google interactive map on the homepage, www.travelingforhealth.com. And we invite you to stay tuned for our next host, which is Food Pilgrimage. So goodbye everybody. We'll see you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to Know Before You Go. Join Eileen Little each and every Sunday at OverseasRadio.com. To learn more about upcoming shows and recording sessions, visit travelingforhealth.com. You're tuned in to
0: OverseasRadio.com, the station to help you reach your dream destination.